0: Hi, and welcome to the Part 3 with Me podcast. The show that helps Part 3 students jumpstart into their careers as qualified architects and also to provide refresher episodes for practicing architects. I am your host, Maria Scudari. And this week we will be talking about post occupancy evaluation. So today's episode meets PC1, PC2 and PC4 of the Part 3 criteria. So what do we mean when we refer to post occupancy evaluation? Uh, It can also be referred to sometimes as building performance evaluation. So post occupancy evaluation, um, also known as POE, is the assessment of how a building uh, performance measures up to the expectations of the team. Uh, that design and built it. So it's essentially the process of obtaining feedback on a building's performance in use after it's been built and occupied. So by measuring the building's use, uh, energy consumption, maintenance cost, and user satisfaction promotes uh, the constant and continuous improvement in the construction industry. So post-occupancy valuations have also been used to assess the effectiveness of the whole project through the quality of the end product. So POEs can come in different formats. They can be very light touch reports or more in depth with a number of different techniques uh, utilized depending on the focus of the particular building. So they can provide an assessment of how the project brief has been met or feedback from building occupants and scope on how effectively a new or refurbished building operates. So more and more professionals now, including clients, are pushing towards uh, the use of post-occupancy valuations to be done uh, due to the extensive benefits they offer in providing evidence of a building's performance, which assists them in informing future developments and contributing towards the UK's uh, zero carbon targets. So what are the key benefits um, that uh, post-occupancy evaluation provides? So it provides reduction of waste, uh, savings in money, uh, time in reducing delays and overspend on future projects, and it also reduces energy and resources. And it can also be beneficial in less uh, tangible ways, such as uh, well-being, identity, community and atmosphere. And it also provides data to help understand how buildings are performing compared to their design intention. And without this data, the construction industry will unknowingly continue to make the same mistakes and continue wasting time and money. So POEs also inform building users if their building is energy efficient and reveals if it's being used as intended, helping to reduce operational costs and increasing user satisfaction. So some barriers that tend to push away the post-occupancy valuation process typically include higher upfront costs. Um, There's also some concerns about risk. Uh, effects it may have on insurance, uh, lack of leadership, uh, the chosen procurement strategy, and generally the lack of education on how post-occupancy evaluation works and why it would be a beneficial process for the project to undergo. So there is also a cultural barrier within the architectural profession, whereby the POE is seen to be under the responsibility of more technically oriented architects, or consultants, leading it to be more energy focused, neglecting to include items of social and cultural value, which in the long run, all data essentially needs to be provided when carrying out a post occupancy evaluation. So not only energy is important, but a lot of other aspects um, of the building as well. So some recent POEs have shown evidence of the performance gap between design intentions and how buildings actually work in use in terms of the building fabric, services and technologies, uh, user satisfaction and well-being. That's why some publicly funded government projects have started utilizing POEs uh, more and more, recognizing the value of integrating these in project contracts as it can help um, clients in general meet their Requirement to demonstrate value for money and government departments are especially more open to it um, because uh, POEs are driven by their soft landings policy, which is a mechanism that ensures a smooth transition from briefing through to design and construction phases and then on to the operational phase of a built asset. Now, also the well. Building Standard and Passive House uh, Standards both depend upon a post-occupancy evaluation being undertaken in order to receive um, their certifications. And BRIAM led and Scaritting offer credit for doing a post-occupancy evaluation. So to further promote the use of uh, POEs, the RIBA has reintroduced it into the plan of work under stage seven in use. Um, Good practice for architects at stage seven is to debrief the client and evaluate how the building is performing post-occupation and seek feedback from the client on how the architect and other members of the project team performed during the course of the project. So this is a good way for the architect to manage their legal risk. Because during the debriefing at post-occupancy, it can give early warning of the presence of defects and also give a warning of a client's dissatisfaction and potential to bring a claim against the architect under the appointment. So the debrief uh, is an opportunity for the architect to manage the client's expectations and to prevent uh, actual and potential problems from turning into claims. So client feedback at post-occupancy can also give invaluable business development information for the architect in practice. A key thing to remember here is that uh, architects should inform their uh, PI insurers or their intention to undertake uh, post-occupancy evaluation services uh, just to make sure that they are covered to undertake uh, such work. So if your practice or you are planning to undertake POE, just make sure to talk to your PI insurance first. So how would the client or architect uh, or project team go about approaching the post-occupancy valuation process? So for a project to be successful, it's important to set out what that success looks like in the form of a set of quality objectives, preferably in a SMART format, meaning for objectives to be specific, measurable, achievable, realistic and time-bound that can then feed into the overall client and practice strategy and performance assessment. So there are three key reviews to post occupancy evaluation. First is the effectiveness of the procurement process itself. The second is the performance of the built fabric and construction details. And the third is the operational effectiveness of the building. So once the objectives have been set, The post-occupancy evaluation can then be planned and resourced. So responsibilities will need to be assessed and agreed between the project team members to establish whose responsibility it is to achieve the targets and who has the right degree of objectivity to assess progress against those targets and when they will uh, have it uh, carried out. So it's wise to review previous project uh, post-occupancy evaluations to assist with shaping the project and quality objectives, applying lessons learned from the previous projects. Then a life cycle assessment should also be examined at the design stage to assess a building's anticipated fabric and energy performance over its projected uh, lifespan. So designers should assess and understand the impact of their design decisions over the expected life of a building. And they should consider issues like sustainable materials, recycled content, retention of existing on-site fabric and structure, future fabric deterioration and maintenance, system replacement cycles and the impact on occupiers, uh, durability of components and systems in relation to overall life expectancy. Uh, future flexibility and capacity for adaption, extension and alteration. Minimizing waste during construction and over the replacement life cycle, Efficient demolition and disposal. Optimizing the potential for reuse and repurposing of components and systems. And the impacts of future climate change. So post-occupancy evaluations help designers, architects, clients, and so on, design better buildings and promotes thinking past uh, practical completion. Now, when should the post-occupancy evaluation take place? So post-occupancy evaluation can be carried out any time after the completion of a project, preferably at least a year after its use or occupation, when the users have settled in. So that's in order to get the most out of the post occupancy evaluation. And some experts suggest revisiting and repeating the process through the life of a building. Then the data gathered from the post occupancy evaluation can better enable the industry to demonstrate the operational and social performance based on the total expenditure on the building and it should include an assessment on overall project delivery, considering the final project uh, outturn costs. Now, in terms of how the post occupancy evaluation is carried out, there are a range of approaches and methods that can be used, which will depend on the particular outcome that has been defined as important to deliver and measure at the briefing stage. So the scope and approach of the post-occupancy evaluation will also depend on the resourcing available in terms of expertise and to get the most value out of it. It's important to define how the information will be used and in what format so it can be absorbed into actionable knowledge by the practice, the project team and the wider profession. Now, in terms of the final outputs, these may vary depending on the scope and funding route of the post occupancy evaluation. And it can be, as previously mentioned, a light touch um, POE, whereby the data is inputted in a simple template document to be used on every project and can be accessed by the whole office as part of a practice quality management system. Or uh, it can be done uh, based on a more diagnostic uh, post occupancy evaluation, which essentially means expanding on the light touch uh, post occupancy evaluation, providing a more detailed review of the building. Or you have the more detailed post occupancy evaluation, whereby the report may be longer and more comprehensive to provide specific feedback to the project team and client. And this can also include key positive and negative findings supported by data presented in maps, uh, graphs, tables, photographs, uh, sketches, and so on. And then the report could include any proposed design or management changes to address issues that have been discovered. So the format uh, of the POE could contain information to compare and analyze the changes made to the state or property from inception to completion. Uh, It can also contain an evaluation of the benefits to learners. Uh, Then any economic benefits such as the impact the project has had on the organization's running costs and lessons learned and any material changes made after approval or post-completion. Now, in terms of the detailed activities to be carried out for a post-occupancy evaluation, the RIBA recommends they cover firstly reviewing the project delivery, which entails discussions with the client and design team about their experience, then reviewing the project outcomes, which includes reviewing the strategic brief, the business case, if the project met the client's business needs, Uh, any risks and opportunities, and also reviewing the project sustainability aspirations and how these have been met. Then looking at the building's use and occupant behavior, analyzing the building's layout, its fabric, and and its detailing by carrying out a thorough walkthrough and noting any changes of use, any extensions uh, and equipment, Uh, Also analysing the occupants' use of the building and the systems and their occupation patterns and if any improvised alterations have been made and how much space is being uh, overused or underused. Then following the observations of the occupants, follow up with the occupants' feedback by conducting questionnaires, surveys, uh, semi-structured interviews or discussions Uh, in order to understand uh, user satisfaction and any concerns. Then emphasis should be given to the building's energy use, analysing utility invoices and meter readings, and checking them against the design predictions. Then analysing the metering strategy, that meters have been correctly commissioned, and conducting an equipment survey checking equipment against uh, designs. Then the next step would be to analyze the embodied carbon by conducting a full life cycle analysis, assisting to understand the impact of the building and analyzing if a continuous uh, measurement and verification strategy is necessary. Then the next activities for systems to analyze and review the health and safety strategy, the ventilation strategy, heating and cooling, lighting, control strategy and maintenance strategy, and checking that they are still appropriate and that they are being uh, followed through. Then you have the environmental performance, measuring light levels, thermal comfort, indoor air quality, acoustics, air tightness and heat loss, uh, in order to determine everything is as intended, And then once the analysis items have been carried out, a comparisons assessment should be undertaken to identify the intended building use against the actual use, then uh, analyzing the intended design performance predictions against the actual, and the intended benchmarking against uh, published datasets in order to understand how the building's performance is uh, comparable with other buildings. And then following all the findings and all the assessments, a final report should be given to the client, the facilities manager, the occupants and project teams. And once uh, the report has been produced, the information should be made available um, through a short reflective review and a site visit to share the learning or through a more formalized approach, which can be in the form of dedicated CPD sessions or the development of a set of resources on the office intranet, uh, just to share what has been found with the office or with the practice um, and making sure that um, post-occupancy evaluation workshops have been undertaken with the design team and the client to run them through Uh, the findings. And a key thing to remember is that data sharing is crucial with uh, post occupancy valuations, sharing lessons learned to inform future projects that can be significantly improved with the knowledge gathered through the process and data sharing can also be done through the professional institutes, sharing with their members, educating the industry as a whole. So to sum up what I discussed today, the purpose of a post-occupancy evaluation is to provide a structured evaluation of the process of delivering a project and demonstrating how the project has impacted on any educational provision, property issues, or to the organization's current and future finances. A post-occupancy evaluation delivers important business benefits to both practices and clients. It saves money in the long run assists to reduce uh, waste and environmental impact, improves well-being, develops knowledge, and can prove the value of good design. So post-occupancy evaluations should ideally be carried out at least 12 months post-occupation to provide uh, sufficient detail and data. Uh, It can also take the format of a light-touch assessment, a more diagnostic assessment, expanding on the light touch report, or carrying out a more detailed assessment. The costs of a post-occupancy valuation are tiny compared to the benefits it offers in the long run. And to promote more regular use of post-occupancy valuations on projects, the RIBA has recommended the government adds it as a recommendation within the building regulations and that all data is shared within the industry to avoid making the same mistakes and improving the built environment. So we'll see how that goes and if that does come into place in the next couple of years. So that covers what I wanted to discuss uh, about post-occupancy valuations. Today, instead of a scenario, I will provide you with a case study project Um, just to understand how the post-occupancy evaluation process went with that specific project. Uh, This um, data was provided by the RIBA, and it involves a commercial retail space. So the brief uh, set by the client was to develop an exemplar in sustainable design that embodied the environmental and social commitments set out in their corporate social responsibility initiative. So it was conceived as a sustainable learning store and the project was intended to provide a test bed for the development of best practice sustainable standards for use across their whole estate. So this was basically a test project that they wanted to pilot and then um, roll out to the rest of their stores. So the design featured a fabric-first approach based on using building materials, orientation and careful detailing to maximize energy efficiency, the use of low-energy ventilation systems and a biomass boiler, also water-saving measures including a rainwater harvesting system, sustainable urban drainage and increased biodiversity through a living wall and large areas of landscaping. With the client committed to understanding staff and community satisfaction, the team also took uh, local groups on guided tours of the site. So this was carried out in 2013, a year into the building's occupation. Then consultants and university researchers undertook a post-occupancy evaluation study of the store to see how well the building was performing in terms of resource consumption as well as occupant comfort and satisfaction from the perspectives of a range of different building users. So the post occupancy evaluation study involved a number of approaches to capture hard and soft aspects of the design. So meters were integrated into the building design to monitor electricity, gas consumption and associated CO2 emissions. This was then combined with the distribution of building user surveys to staff, and six focus groups involving 35 participants from the local community, uh, also customers, shop floor staff, and operational and maintenance staff. And the post-occupancy evaluation research was repeated at another store for comparison. In operational terms, the building performed better than predicted using 42% less energy, and producing 40% less carbon than the comparator store. So the building scored in the top 1% for design and image to visitors, the top 7% for improved productivity, and the top 11% for comfort when compared to other buildings assessed using the building user surveys method. So the focus groups highlighted many positives, including the living wall and meadow planting, the light and airiness of the space, and the building's dramatic architectural form, in particular the glulam timber roof that it had. So the overall quality of the environment was well felt to contribute to a better and more enjoyable shopping experience for customers, encouraging people to stay for several hours on each uh, visit. And the quality of the building was also seen to enhance the morale of the employees. So during a focus group, uh, staff often said they were proud to work there whilst those at the comparator store were merely satisfied with one staff member saying it must be one of the nicest places in the country to work. So from that, the building has been heralded as an exemplar in sustainable design in the retail sector and learning from it is being shared throughout the industry as well as being used within the client's ethos to develop design and operational standards for their wider estate using the same uh, principles. So this is where we see the key benefits of uh, post-occupancy valuation use. And the key learnings for this specific project was that there is a market for post-occupancy valuation among commercial clients who have a long-term stake in their buildings and are keen to understand how they are performing and how designs can be improved in future commissions. Uh, Post-occupancy evaluation also provides a means through which businesses can evidence their sustainability credentials, thereby strengthening the company's uh, ethos and brand. And clients are interested in understanding both the quantitative aspects of building performance and the qualitative impacts of a building on how people feel. So through a rigorous uh, post-occupancy evaluation process, the client has shown how sustainable design makes commercial sense, reducing running costs, strengthening reputation, and creating spaces that are more comfortable and enjoyable for shoppers and workers alike. But that's not to say that this can't be applied to um, other types of buildings, including residential offices and so on. So that covers what I wanted to discuss today about post-occupancy evaluation just to give you a brief uh, overview of what it is, what it consists of, and the benefits of using it on projects. And uh, I am suspecting that this will become more and more common as we move into the next few years of tackling climate change. So this might be a scenario or something you will be asked. Uh, in either your exam or your interview or your coursework. Uh, And that concludes today's episode. If you would like to get in contact with me, please feel free to email me on the address provided in the show notes. Thank you for listening. This is an educational show aimed at supporting the future generation of architects. The information, opinions and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. Please join me next week for some more Part 3 with Me Time.